Thursday, January 24th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. If you are sick of the same old sports talk, wherever it is that you live, maybe you're sick of the callers calling into the radio stations, making some silly argument, talking way too loud on their phones, not turning their radio down and then hanging up. Yeah, go ahead and hang out here a little bit more. You're going to like it a little bit better. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. We'd rather just laugh at the sports world whenever possible because actually a lot of it is pretty funny. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Thursday to you. I hope that your week is going well. And we do have a little bit of sports history that took place on this day because it was on this day, January 24th, back in 1982, that we saw an NFL dynasty being born. On January 24th, 1982, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 16. That win was a 26 to 21 win, and it actually changed the way that the league operated. We've talked about that here on the dose before. It also changed the way we looked at people like Bill Walsh, at people like Joe Montana, and of course, the way we looked at the San Francisco 49ers, because the 49ers would go on to win five titles over the next 14, 15 years. And what we think of when we think of those teams, obviously, is that West Coast offense that Bill Walsh brought in. That was completely different. Forget all the just run it up the gut two plays, and then if you had to throw it on third and long, you went ahead and did that. Bill Walsh completely changed that. But what's interesting about this day in history, what's interesting about this Super Bowl win that the Niners got over Cincinnati back in 1982, was that it wasn't a blowout, first off. And the biggest plays of the game were actually not really made by the San Francisco offense. The biggest play of the game was made by the Niners' defense. Because late in the third quarter, with San Francisco up 20-7, to the Bengals had five plays from inside the 49ers' five-yard line. They could not score a touchdown. We think back to the West Coast offense and Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and all those things that came with the San Francisco 49ers, you kind of forget how good those defenses were. Those were some really talented defenses on through into the 90s. We had really, really talented defenses playing out in Northern California, but that dynasty definitely got started on this day. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show and tell us, I don't know, maybe your favorite Super Bowl memory, we would love to hear from you. Email us sports at gmail.com or reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at Sports. Doesn't have to be Super Bowl related. If you've got a suggestion, if you've got a comment, maybe you have some feedback for the show, maybe you need some advice, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And you know, one other thing, you know, I do hate to bring this up, but we are almost through the month of January. Valentine's Day is coming quickly. And what better way would there be to let that special person in your life know that you care about them than by stopping by tpublic.com and picking up some Daily Dose gear. Yes, over at tpublic.com, they've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, a number of items over there that have the Daily Dose logo on them. So be sure that you stop by so that you can take care of the people that you love in your life. And what better way to do that? then give them some Daily Dose gear. Hey, we've got a lot to get to today. As usual, we do have a couple of sports news stories coming out. And as we do on many Thursdays, we also have a number of sports media overreactions that we want to discuss. Obviously, 
a ton of media hype with the NFL championships taking place last week. Number of things in the NFL that are getting thrown around as we now have this kind of lull the week off before the Super Bowl. Oh, I know we've got the Pro Bowl. I know, I know. Try not to get too excited about that. But you have heard, if you have listened to much sports talk at all this week, you have heard a number of ideas flying around about the NFL. We're going to address a number of them today on the show. Let's jump into some breaking news. Starting off with an awful story in the NBA. Last night in the Indiana Pacers game against the Toronto Raptors, Pacers guard Victor Oladipo went down with an ugly knee injury. It sounds like he is going to be done for the rest of the season. And that is a huge loss for Indiana. I actually like the Pacers as a dark horse contender over in the Eastern Conference. But Oladipo was leading them with 19 points per game. And you know, more importantly for that young team, he was teaching them how to compete every single night. He was driving them to be better every single day in practice. You hate to see these kinds of injuries. That is a big loss for the Indiana Pacers. In the NFL, the speculation is now over. Wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald is going to be back with the Arizona Cardinals in 2019. The Cardinals said on Wednesday that the star wide receiver is going to return for his 16th season in the NFL. He signed another one-year contract. They have not said the terms of the deal just yet, but it's interesting because Larry Fitzgerald wears the number 11 on his jersey. And over the past three seasons, he has been getting paid $11 million. Now, if I'm Larry Fitzgerald, this is just me. I'm asking to change my number to say, I don't know, 88, 89. I'm going to bump that salary up just a little bit. But for the second straight year, Fitzgerald is going to be playing for a brand new head coach and playing in a new offensive system. Don't forget, the Cardinals have now hired Cliff Kingsbury to replace Steve Wilkes as their head coach back on January 8th. During his news conference, Kingsbury said he wanted to get Fitzgerald back on the team but that the front office would have to figure all those things out. Last season, Fitzgerald had 69 catches, he had 734 yards, and he had six touchdowns. And he did that without much help around him. Now, he is going to be 36 years old for this next season. And he is number two in career receiving yards. He trails Jerry Rice by over 6,000 yards, but he could pass tight end Tony Gonzalez for second on the career receptions list because he only needs 23 catches. Last season actually broke a streak of three seasons where Fitzgerald had 100 catches and over 1,000 yards. In 2017, he became the oldest player with 100 catches in NFL history. But don't you get the feeling that when he was kind of debating, should I return, should I not return, that new head coach Cliff Kingsbury was like, Larry, Have you seen what I do down at Texas Tech? No, we never really win any games, and we certainly don't play any defense, but we put up some big offensive numbers. Larry, I'm telling you, I will have you catching Jerry Rice. I know they're saying it's not possible. With my offense, it is possible. I'll bet you money that's what he's saying. Now, I don't believe it. I think Arizona's going to struggle a little bit, but it is going to be fun to see what Kingsbury's offense can do. The problem is is they don't have a whole lot of other weapons down there. So it's basically going to be new quarterback Josh Rosen, Larry Fitzgerald, and then you hope he gets some help somewhere around him. They don't have a ton of help down there. We'll see if Fitzgerald can come back and make a run. 
I think he's catching Tony Gonzalez. Jerry Rice's records may be out there just a little too far. One other thing in the NFL that was kind of interesting because we've suspected it here at the Daily Dose for a long time. And yesterday, we got some proof that we were right. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Cole Beasley, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season, said on Twitter that the Cowboys front office pushes who gets the ball on offense. Here's what Beasley had to say. Honestly, the front office pushes who they want to get the ball to. I haven't been a huge priority in that regard. Maybe that will change, but I'm not sure. More balls come my way in two-minute drill where nothing is planned. That was in response to a comment about the Cowboys' decision to fire offensive coordinator Scott Linehan. Hey, we've been saying it here at the Dose for a long time. I think Jerry Jones is calling the plays. I think he is telling head coach Jason Garrett, hey, uh, Jason, here's what you're going to run on third down here. And here's who I want the ball to go to. And I know you think you're going to run the ball. We ain't going to do things your way. You're going to run it the way I want to run it. I think that is actually happening. And now we actually have confirmation. It sounds like it legitimately is happening. Cole Beasley says the front office at the Dallas Cowboys franchise is dictating who gets the ball. Not the coaches, not the coordinators, not the, I don't know, quarterbacks coach or whatever. The front office, the people who have no business telling anyone what to do down on the field. That is who is making the calls for the Dallas Cowboys. And we wonder why the Cowboys consistently run right about 500. Isn't that a little bit strange? We can't quite figure out, man, it seems like Dallas invests a lot of money. Seems like they have a pretty good plan. They've got decent players. I wonder why Dallas can't consistently win more ballgames. They've been about a 500 team over the last 10, 12 years. I wonder why. Yeah, it's because the front office is making the field calls when they should be staying out of everyone's business. Hey, I don't know if Cole Beasley has an axe to grind against Dallas. He may end up going back to them, but we have been saying this for years. Jerry Jones is calling the plays and it actually turns out, yeah, I think we're right. I legitimately think the front office is calling the plays down in Big D. It's no wonder they keep sucking every single year. One more story coming out, and here's a shocker. You might need to sit down for this one. Because Alex Rodriguez believes Barry Bonds and former New York Yankees teammate Roger Clemens deserve to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. What? I know. I know. Try to catch your breath. I know you're shocked by that. A-Rod, who of course is now an analyst for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, retired after the 2016 season. He would first be eligible for Hall of Fame induction in 2022. Clemens and Bonds, whose cases to get into the Hall of Fame, well, they're not going so well because of all the steroid accusations. Now, they did make small gains this year in the voting by the Baseball Writers Association of America but they need 75% of the vote. Clemens had 59.5. Bonds had 59.1. Both players have three years remaining on the ballot. So why is Alex Rodriguez talking about this at all? Because we all know he's a steroid guy too. Hey, Alex Rodriguez doesn't do anything without thinking of himself first. Let's make that perfectly clear. If you wonder why he's on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, I'll promise you, it's to try to shine up that reputation. 
Everything Alex Rodriguez does is with a mirror in hand looking at himself. That's just how the guy operates. It's how he's operated his entire life. So of course he says, yeah, Bonds and Clemens should get in. You shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. They were great players despite that stuff. Uh, Kind of sounds like you're describing what you think of yourself. Hey, should they get in based on cheating? No, probably not. Do you need to recognize the steroid users? Yes, just put them down in the ugly, seedy basement and we could take care of this entire problem. I'm telling you, the Baseball Hall of Fame needs to tune into the Daily Dose because we have some solutions to a lot of problems that seem to be plaguing them. Hey, coming back, we have heard a number of sports media overreactions this week. We have to get some of the better ones that we've heard when we get back. Should the NFL expand their instant replay process? They're already saying they're going to look at it this offseason. We're going to talk about it when we get back. You know, sometimes I honestly wish that the sports media world wasn't saying things that they don't really believe. I wish they would just be honest with us because a lot of times I think they say things just to say things. They're not saying them because they make sense. They're not saying them even because they actually believe them. I just wish they would be honest and say, okay, here is like a hot take. We don't really believe it, but here's a hot take. That would make more sense to me rather than trying to spin some of the silly things that are coming out of their mouths that we hear every single week on Thursdays. We like to take a look at some of the funnier ones that we get and just kind of talk about them, take a closer look at them and see, does this make any sense whatsoever? Spoiler alert, it rarely does. Before we get to the NFL though, let's start off in the NBA because I am hearing a hot take this week. And that is that the Los Angeles Lakers have struggled without LeBron James in the lineup. They have a legitimate chance of missing the playoffs. And for that reason, the Lakers need to hurry up and make a move for New Orleans Pelicans big man, Anthony Davis, now. You can't wait. You need to go make a move immediately. But when they say that, there are a few problems with this theory. First, I actually believe once LeBron comes back, the Lakers can make the playoffs. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can. They're only one game out of the eighth spot right now. With LeBron James back in the lineup, hey, they're going to be right there in the hunt. So I don't think that they're eliminated from the playoffs. I'm not saying that at all. I think they have a chance to get up to maybe the fifth or sixth seed once he gets back. Second, New Orleans has said they will not deal Anthony Davis. They somehow think they're going to re-sign Anthony Davis. I mean, I don't know that I believe it, but that's what they have said. Finally, and I know we talk about this a lot on the Daily Dose, the bar trade talks that you sometimes hear, you get together with some friends, maybe you're at a party, maybe you're at the bar, maybe you're watching a game or whatever, and you hear the guy across the bar go, hey, I'll tell you what, the Lakers need to go out and make a trade for Anthony Davis. Well, okay, that sounds great, but both teams have to get something. We've talked about that. What does New Orleans get out of that deal that they say, hey, that's worth our while? Because I'm looking at the situation and I'm saying, I think Boston is eventually going to make a hard run at Anthony Davis. Why? Because they have draft picks to give. Danny Ainge has done a phenomenal job of racking up picks, storing picks, hoarding picks. And as a result, they can go to New Orleans and say, hey, I've got a grip of picks here. What do you want? That makes sense. If you are the Lakers, what are you going to give them? Because trust, 
the New Orleans Pelicans are going to want something in return. It needs to be something of value for one of the best players they have ever had in their franchise's history. So don't tell me, well, what the Lakers need to do is, I don't know, package Lonzo Ball in a draft pick and go get Anthony Davis. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. That's not nearly enough. So if the Lakers are realistic about this, what are they going to give to get Anthony Davis? Are you willing to give up Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, and a few picks? If so, okay, then maybe you have something there. Because I think it would take at least that. But then you would have gotten rid of the two best young players you have. I don't know that you want to mortgage your future for this proposed trade. Hey, the Pelicans are not going to give Anthony Davis to anyone. They want something in return. So you can come out and say, hey, the Lakers just need to go get Anthony Davis. Great. How? Are you going to give up a ton of players for him? Because if not, I got news for you. You're probably not going to get him. And there are teams out there. There are franchises out there that do have things they could give. I have to keep an eye on that. And you know, one other thing that's kind of interesting that I've watched with the Lakers lately. Did you see Jeannie Buss come out in full support of Luke Walton? Yeah, I think his days are numbered. As soon as we heard that, I went, oh yeah, he's done. Enjoy it while you can, Luke, because your time there is fleeting. When Jeannie Buss says, hey, we're behind him all the way. Remember, the pat on the back is just a few inches from smacking you somewhere else as you walk out the door. Don't forget that. Luke Walton, you might be in some trouble. Okay, let's switch over to the NFL where we had a number of sports media overreactions this week. And you know, one of the biggest things we heard was that after the conference championship games, the NFL needs to make all plays reviewable with instant replay. And I'm not sure that I totally agree with that. We talked about this a little on Tuesday. I don't know if I want more reviews. I don't know if I want more stoppages and more delays in play. The second half of that Patriots-Chiefs game on Sunday, it was so choppy. Every single play was a review. You couldn't get any flow to the game. It was a good game. It was an entertaining game. But we had all these stoppages. We had all these replays. I don't know if I want to add more. Now you want to add every penalty into what can be reviewed? And then what? Are we just going to give each coach more challenges? I don't want to see that either. I think with instant replay, we might be reaching the point of overkill. And I actually have a suggestion for this. And it might not be very popular, but I do think it would work. Because it's going to seem a little bit weird. But what I would like to see, I would like to see all challenges just come from the booth. No more coaches' challenges. Could we do this? Can we just have a lead official assigned to every game and he is in the control room back in LA or New York or wherever it is that their control room is? And if he sees something that isn't right, he just buzzes the field and says, hey, make this change. Now, it does need to be before the next play takes place, but I don't really need to see the ref on the field go over to the viewer and then look in the viewer and watch the play. I don't care about that. He and his crew already missed it. I don't need his bias involved in this situation. The guy in the booth buzzes. He says, hey, after further review, the previous play was deemed an incomplete pass. Put the ball back on the 40-yard line. Or the previous play was deemed to have been a catch. Put the ball at such and such yard line. Now you've got to catch it before the next play. But I don't want these coaches' challenges anymore. If the booth looks down and they see a blatant pass interference call, like the crew missed on Sunday, okay, then buzz down and say, hey, we've got a pass interference call. The ball is going to be placed at the spot of the foul at the five-yard line, first and 10 New Orleans. Go ahead with the game. 
but then it doesn't break up the game so much. The goal of this process is to get the play right, correct? It's not to put on a show. I don't need the ref to walk over to the camera and take a look at it. It doesn't need to take extra time. If you want to review a play, like the Saints-Rams pass interference fiasco, fine, I guess. But I don't want it to take more time than it already takes now. The game is too choppy as it is. If you want more instant replay, great. But I want it without all the stoppages. One other thing that we heard after those games on Sunday, after watching his ability to predict plays, NBC announcer Tony Romo should be coaching. Dude has a knack for knowing what plays are coming next. Hey, he has had to grow on me a little bit, but I do actually like Tony Romo in the booth. I think he provides insight into the game. I think he's extremely good at knowing what is going to happen next on the upcoming play. But the biggest thing I like about Tony Romo, more than his prediction ability, I love that he seems to genuinely love the game. You can hear it. He's got a passion for it. He gets excited. He's not faking it. That's not an act. He loves football and he seems to love doing what he does. But let me give Tony Romo a little free advice. Don't go into coaching, dude. You know how right now you've had people that kind of like you, Tony Romo? You go into coaching and see how long that lasts because everyone on both sides will hate your guts. You will never get anything right. You will be the dumbest person in the stadium. Who would you rather be today? Tony Romo or the Kansas City Chiefs former defensive coordinator Bob Sutton who got fired on Tuesday and now has to go find a new job? Yeah, I'd rather be Tony Romo. A lot more. Not even a little bit more, like a lot more. Tony Romo needs to stick with that gig right now for as long as he can because his seat's not hot. He doesn't have somebody looking over his shoulder. He doesn't have people second-guessing him and questioning every single call he makes. They go, oh, that's a pretty good call. Did you hear how excited he got about that last play? He even predicted a couple of plays right. Good job, Tony Romo. He's a really good announcer. He gets to sleep in his own bed for most of the week. And he can actually sleep before and after games. That's not how coaching is. That profession wears on you. Tony Romo is just fine right where he is. Okay, coming back, we do have a few more sports media overreactions to get to today. Should the NFL rethink their overtime rules? We actually have a few thoughts on that as well today. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, Maybe you're looking at a specific holiday. Maybe you've got to shop for a birthday. Maybe you've got to shop just for a friend or a loved one. Or maybe you just want to pick up something for yourself. You might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. February's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Transformation. It is a new year and it can be a new you. Complete your transformation with some incredible gear from pop culture's most adaptable icons. So are you ready for a change? February's Loot Crate theme features items from Marvel, Adventure Time, and Transformers, but if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can just go over to Loot Crate, choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or you can just go pick individual items, and they have so many items over there. Things for your house, things for your car, things for your office, Hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts, you name it, Loot Crate has it. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, just make sure you type daily dose, one word in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning into the daily dose. 
So let's get back to a few sports media overreactions that we have had this week. And of course, one of the biggest ones we've had is that the no call in the Los Angeles Rams, New Orleans Saints playoff game was the most egregious call in history. We have never seen a blown call that bad, especially not on that big of a stage, but we've never seen one that bad. That was horrible. And no question, that was a bad one. It was a really, really bad look for the league on a weekend that the NFL should have been celebrating what great games they had. Instead, all of the talk was about the officiating. And I still, I have no idea what the referees were looking at on that play. The Rams defensive back made no attempt to make a play on the ball. He just lowered his head. He blew up the receiver. He committed pass interference by hitting the receiver while the ball was still in the air. He hit a defenseless receiver. He hit a defenseless receiver with a helmet-to-helmet shot. Hey, take your pick. You can pick any one of those violations. And honestly, I can't think of a single excuse for the miss. The only thing that comes to mind is that late in the game, we know that the officials want to let the players decide it. And so they kind of swallow their whistles late. Hey, I don't want to make the big call that tilts the game in favor of one team or the other. And so they swallowed their whistle. They didn't call anything. And as a result, hey, the Saints are feeling a little bit shortchanged. This call is absolutely in the conversation for worst calls in history. Is it the most egregious, terrible call in history? No, I don't actually think it was. Are you going to tell me this call was worse than a game that we have heard now was literally fixed by the officials for the Los Angeles Lakers to beat the Sacramento Kings in a playoff game? I don't think it was that bad. It was one bad call. Was it worse than Roy Jones getting robbed in the Seoul Olympics when we found out later that the judge on the panel was literally cheating for the other fighter? The other fighter actually went over and apologized to Roy Jones for how bad the judging was. I don't think it was that bad. Was it really worse than the referees giving the Soviet Union not one, not two, Three tries to beat Team USA in the 72 Munich Olympics? Sorry, no. I mean, it was bad. But at least the Saints had a chance to come back and still win the game. Those calls were worse because those guys had no chance to win the game. Hey, New Orleans had their chances. They just failed to make anything of them. But at least they did get the opportunity. Hey, if Drew Brees gets the opening kickoff of overtime and marches down the field and scores, nobody's talking about the officiating. He didn't do that. So we have to bring that conversation back up. Was it the most egregious call? No, it was a bad one, but it wasn't the worst. Finally, we have this very popular take this week in the sports media world and really, you know, just across the nation that the NFL overtime rules are unfair. On Sunday, the AFC championship game was won on a coin toss. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the top quarterback in the league this season, mind you, never even got a chance to possess the football in overtime. Hey, this wasn't the first time we've seen this happen. In the 2011 AFC wildcard game, Tim Tebow throws a touchdown for the Denver Broncos on the first play of overtime. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger never even got on the field. Matt Ryan never got a chance to get on the field in the overtime of Super Bowl 51 because Tom Brady got the ball on the coin toss, went down the field, and scored a touchdown. In 2016, Carson Palmer drove the Arizona Cardinals right down the field, 
scored a touchdown in overtime of the NFC Divisional Playoffs. Meanwhile, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he's on the sideline just hoping he gets a chance. He never got it. Should the NFL rethink their overtime? Now, this I do listen to a little bit. Imagine this for one second. The Los Angeles Dodgers are facing the Boston Red Sox in Boston in the top of the 10th inning for the World Series. Los Angeles is up and on the first batter. Justin Turner knocks a home run out of the park. And then, whoop, that's game. Game over. Dodgers win. Thanks for coming. Wait, what? I realize football is a little bit different than baseball. But if you're just going to have it come down to a coin toss, just flip the coin and just say, okay, you're the winner and you're the loser. End of the game. Couldn't we just maybe rethink over time a little? Couldn't we start both teams' offenses at the 50-yard line? And if you do score a touchdown, you've got to go for two. And we just play until someone wins. Then you don't have to go the length of the field. But you also can't just settle for a field goal as soon as you take possession. Can you imagine if we had done that on Sunday and Brady had scored and gone for two and then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense had a chance to come out and match it. We would have been out of our minds watching that Chiefs-Patriots game. And even if they had scored, hey, they've got to go for two and they've got to get it. If they do, it continues. If they don't, the Patriots roll on. Either way, it would have been amazing. I've never been a fan of NFL overtime. I think the college plan is far better than what the pros do. I think it would make for a much better overtime experience rather than having your best players on the sidelines saying, hey, there's nothing I can do because we lost a coin toss. That seems a little bit silly to me. I just think that the NFL experience would be so much better with a more balanced overtime period than the silliness that we have now. When I hear that the push is the NFL needs to rethink their overtime, yeah, I'll actually listen to a little bit of that because I do think that the NFL overtime right now, the model they're using, it's just out of date. I'd rather see it updated. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will of course be looking at some of the top sports stories that are coming out. And then, as we do on most Fridays, we will have our weekend preview. Is there going to be anything to watch this weekend with the NFL and, of course, college football now completely over? We're going to have to dig deep this week to find anything to watch. Plus, we will have our Daily Dose Top 5. You know that you've got to tune in tomorrow for that. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to the Daily Dose every single day. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the questions. And thank you for the suggestions that you have made. Thank you most of all for sharing the show with someone else. It is very, very appreciated. Hey, make sure you stop by tpublic.com where you can pick up some Daily Dose gear. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.